So I want you to imagine for a moment, as we get ready to think about what God has for us on this day, I want you to imagine somebody came to you and said, uh, I would like to be really rich. Can you point me to somebody that can help me? I'll bet you could. There are financial planners, people uh, who guide in investments that make a living at this sort of thing all the time. Or somebody said, I want to get in great shape. Can you help me pursue health? I'll bet you could point them out to a physical trainer or somebody in the medical field. Or if somebody were to say, I want to be successful, I'll bet you could help them find a business coach or a mentor. Or if it was uh, something considerably uh, more hobby-like, I want to be a really good golfer, I want to learn how to play the bassoon, I'll bet you could point people towards a person that could really help them, or a book, or a resource, or a class. Now, how about this one? Suppose someone comes to you and says, I want to become a really good person. I would like from the core of my being to have virtue and moral beauty flowing through my thought and my will. Where would you send them? See, this is a very strange thing that we don't think about very much. We assume that that's not a very scientific question to ask. And you cannot go to a university, for the most part, in our country that has a department of really good people or a studies program on how to become a truly excellent and virtuous person. Even that language sounds a little odd in our culture, but that just makes our culture quite odd next to all of human history. Most cultures, most times, most places have taken it for granted that there is knowledge available about how to become a person. And the question of who is a good person and how to become one is as important to humanity as anything else. And this is particularly true from Israel, that country from which Judaism and then Christianity emerged, where the beginning of education was Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Him shall you love with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Now the good news is Jesus is in the good person business. But what is tragic and deeply inaccurate is people think that that is um, relegated to a religious pursuit or um, a quote-unquote spiritual pursuit. Actually, we can never get away from that question, who is a good person and how do you become one? And so I want to read for you words that were written a couple thousand years ago by Jesus' friend Peter on this subject. Jesus says that God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Now, Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, pauses to ask the question, how much does that word everything leave out? Think Peter was serious about this? Think this is really true? Do you actually have everything you need, do I, to live the life God is calling me to live? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now, I'm not going to say more about that except to invite you. You might want to spend a little time today thinking about what would it be for you to participate in the divine nature? And do you have anything more important to do? And then Peter goes on. Now, let's think about what is, how do we pursue becoming a truly good person? For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. And now, just to give a little bit of commentary to this, Dallas Willard from the uh, Renovation of the Heart, page 222. What Peter's saying here is, put forth your very best effort. My gosh, I'll put all kinds of effort into all kinds of lesser things about career success or how do I get more money or how do I lose a little bit of weight or how do I good at this sport? Put your very best effort into what matters very most of all. Add to your faith, your confidence in Christ, moral excellence or virtue. That is, train yourself to simply do what's right and good. Obviously, this is something we are to do. It will not be done for us. And then, in your virtue, add on knowledge or understanding. That is, come to know why the good and right you do is good and right. Operate from insight into the realities of it all. And again, what do I have this more important to do? And then, in your insight, add on self-control. That is, develop the capacity to carry out your intentions and not be thrown off by any turn of events. And then in your self-control, add on perseverance, endurance, patience, the capacity to stick with the course, stay with it over the long haul, regardless of how you feel. And then in your perseverance, add on godliness. We might best think of this as depth and thoroughness of all the preceding attainments of grace. God is characterized by his inexhaustible resources of goodness. God is characterized by his inexhaustible resources of goodness. What would it be like to partake in that nature? And then in your godliness, add on the kindness and gentleness of care, which one sees among true siblings, siblings and true friends. The word here is Philadelphia, mutual affection or brotherly love. Extend family, feeling, and action to those in your community. Just think of what this would mean to this wounded world. But it is possible to do this superhuman thing only through the goodness and strength of godliness. And then, in your brotherly kindness, add on agape love. That's at the top of the ladder. This is the kind of love that characterizes God himself and is spelled out in heartrending detail on the cross of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels, have not love. We are not just to love as family, but as he loved us. Agape love is always presented in the biblical descriptions of the children of light as the ultimate move, which completes and solidifies all other gains in spiritual progression and spiritual growth. 
Now, Dallas spends a little time talking about this under a single very important word in the Bible, but a word that is pretty much hopelessly lost in our day, even worse than the word evangelical, and it is the word sanctified. To be in the process of sanctification. And that word is rare enough that most folks aren't even sure that they would want to be that. Think of the last time you saw somebody on their resume put down, I am deeply sanctified. Or on a dating app site, uh, I'm a very sanctified person. Or somebody running for office, listing that as their qualification. This person is really sanctified. We hardly can distinguish it from sanctimonious. So I'll offer you another word just to reflect on it, because it's good to do with words like this. This is a psychological word, to be differentiated. There's a psychologist, Murray Bowen, several decades ago that talked about this quite a lot. A lot of us in our relationships, particularly from family days, have a real difficult time. We just become very reactive to what goes on around us. And either I'm so enmeshed with other people that if they don't love me, I'm crushed or disturbed or else I become completely withdrawn from other people and uh, I keep, stay at a distance from them. The differentiated person is one who has a very solid sense of self. Who I am does not depend on what you think of me. Now, growing in this direction to become truly differentiated is a process, just like sanctification is. And the interesting thing about the word to sanctify, as you may know in the Bible, or to be holy, initially meant to be separate. And it goes back to that creation narrative in Genesis. And God separated light from the darkness. And God separated the earth from the sky. God was making distinctions, separating, differentiating so that there could be a joining together. And it's only the truly differentiated person who can be in a relationship that is genuinely loving and non-anxious with other folks. You might have heard old sayings about families like, uh, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Or happy wife, happy life. Those are deeply sick and inaccurate descriptions of family life as it's supposed to be. It's how I am does not have to depend on you. And if I become a separate self, if I become differentiated, if I become sanctified, it's possible. So make that your aim today. Here's what Dallas writes. This is page 226. So what should we say about sanctification in summary? It is a consciously chosen and sustained relationship of interaction between the Lord and His apprentice, in which the apprentice is able to do, and routinely does, what he or she knows to be right before God, because all aspects of her or his person have been substantially transformed. Sanctification is not an experience, though experiences of different kinds can be involved. It's not a status although a status is maintained by it. It is not an outward form, has no essential connection with outward forms. It does, however, become a track record and a system of habits. It comes about through the process of spiritual formation by the power of God. And that's the invitation today. I can't, but God can. Come out and be differentiated. See you next time.